people to tell us their stories of risk. And we were going to do a one-minute video of your story of taking a risk. And Linda Greer um, took the risk of sharing her story with us. And um, I guess the theme of the day is running. Um, and the one clarification that she realized after it is that it's a half marathon, not a full marathon that she's talking about. Her own <laughs> um, it's all the same to me. And most of us in this room. 13.1 miles. Four hours. <laughs>
Taking a risk is a beautiful thing. And even if Linda's fantasy of running the half marathon didn't end up being what she imagined, what she hoped for, she learned, she has the memory, you can tell when she tells that story, that those minutes, which were the hardest ones for her, have grounded in her heart and her soul and her mind, and she knows that God was with her in that and that she can do amazingly hard things. And that gives us hope, which is really one of the most important things in the whole world. For us to have hope, because God is with us even when things are really hard. Have you heard of the Apostle Paul? He is um, the author of about half of the books in the New Testament, or more or less. And um, he was a person who didn't like things changing didn't like taking risks back when his name was Saul. And he was a person who was very righteous in all the ways that were very important. He knew exactly what it meant to be a good person, and he did all those things to be a good person. And then he encountered the risen Christ, Jesus, on a road and he became temporarily blind, and his whole life changed, and his name changed, and everything. And if you don't know that story, you should read it. It's fascinating. But we're not going to talk about that story in detail today. We're going to talk about Paul's reflection on who he was and who he became. As he writes about that experience to the church in Philippi. Because he was a writer of letters. And in many of those letters he gives advice. But in this part of this letter to the Philippians, he um, talks about himself and what he has learned <coughs> about himself. And um, so I'm reading from Philippians 3, starting in um, verse 7. And just before this, Paul talks about all the ways he is very qualified to be a very righteous Jew. He is qualified because of his own behavior. He is qualified because of his family line. He is like there. He has all the credentials you would ever need to have. Um, and just a warning, there's a little gratuitous language. Don't listen to that. Usually don't say that before I read the Bible. <laughs> the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else that I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dumb. There you go. 
it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules. When I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so that I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now we're on the right track. Let's stay on it. In a different version, it reads like this. It's not that I have already reached this goal or have already been perfected, but I pursue it so that I may grab hold of it because Christ Christ grabbed hold of me for just this purpose. Brothers and sisters, I myself don't think I've reached it, but I do this one thing. I forget the things behind me and reach out for the things ahead of me. So if Paul doesn't think that he has achieved the goal of following Jesus faithfully, then we shouldn't either, because he is fully qualified to be righteous. He says that he forgets the things that lie behind him, and he is always reaching for the things that lie ahead. He has always been called to do more and lead in newer and better ways and to put himself at risk. During his life, Paul was repeatedly arrested and imprisoned for long periods of time, and he was eventually killed by the Romans, probably Nero. But Paul wasn't afraid. He didn't stop taking risks because of these dangers. He knew that the good news of Jesus was risky. But his questions or fears didn't hold him back from acting. God, or faith, is not a security blanket. God is a rescue net, but God is not a security. I've known that for a long time, but I really love the way that my favorite author and teacher, who probably you can, you know who that is if you've heard me preach lately, her name starts with a B, 
Brene Brown um, talks about God not being a security blanket. I, I don't have anything. I, I thought I had control over everything. And I have no, you know, it's like riding a surfboard. It's like you just kind of stay on top of it, and every now and then it crashes down on you. But it's it's not, and I don't want to control it. I mean, people, my therapist used to go laugh all the time. She's like, you need to get a bracelet that says, let go and let Brene. <laughs>
right now is coming on our staff this week and is going to be starting ministry at High Street with a team of people that are going to do amazing things. And we have no idea what that's going to look like. Okay, so we have a little idea of what that's going to look like. But maybe it will look different than our idea, which is a risk. But it's a beautiful risk. So we want to be risk-taking people. So we, this series is based off of this book, The Faith of Leap. And so there are a few words of advice from the authors of this book about how to be an adventuring church. We are an adventuring church, right? Hope Gateway is an adventuring church. And we want to be even more adventuring. We don't want to forget that we are adventuring. Because sometimes, you know, we have this beautiful space now. And look, all of you people are here. And isn't that good enough? You could say that, right? But it's not. It's not enough. So here are a few recommendations <coughs> from the authors of this book. Number one, take risks. Wise risk-taking. You got that? <coughs> That's an important word, right? We don't just take random risks all the time to just be risk-takers. We take wise, calculated risks. Wise risk-taking and courageous actions should be encouraged and ongoing. The organization should value experimentation, engage in church planting as often as possible, and get involved in missional activity that takes its members to the edges of what is comfortable and normal. Are you ready to go to the edge of what is comfortable and normal? Think about that. Number two, form disciples in community. While we appreciate individual effort and achievement, we need to foster the understanding that we are in this together. Private discovery of meaning is not enough. Meaning is discovered in community. It's a tribe thing. Have you heard this language of your tribe? That's become more and more used in popular language. This is not about your um, people of origin or your ethnicity. This is, who are my people? I need to have my people, and I need to know who my people are, because they make me who I am, and I make them who they are. And that is what church is. We're a tribe. We're each other's tribe. We're the ones who say, breathe and push, and it's going to be okay. And we all need that to become the people we want to be and to the people who God wants us to be. Number three, do something together. Adventure spirituality must be action-based. Action should be at the heart of the church culture. It cannot be simply reduced to a mental process of assimilating theology or the academic study of ethics. So if you didn't get the full meaning of that last sentence, it can't all be in your head. It's not just about thinking differently. It's not just about pondering things. It's about action. Everyone should be somehow and sometimes involved in adventuring out. Adventure is a fun word. Number four, tell lots 
and risk, and give people opportunities to tell their own stories. Give meaning and interpretation to the stories through the teaching, through teaching from scripture, social sciences, and history. We need to tell our own stories, and we need to listen to each other's stories. And sometimes when we tell them and when we listen to them, we can make even more meaning out of those stories because we put them in the context and knowledge of scripture and the world that we live in, which is a beautiful thing. So, all of these things we have done as a community, but these are things that we need to keep doing and we need to do more of. So we are starting this new ministry as a means of doing these not just so those people over there can do these things, but that all of us, whether we're doing them or not, are affected because we're a tribe. And we need one another. And we need to be doing adventurous spirituality together. So, as we prepare to, to take this risk, to do this thing, there are some adventures that you are going to be invited on. And there is one of these cream-colored sheets cream color sheets in your um, chair. And there are some ventures that you are going to be invited on. And you are invited to do one of these things. And maybe not the thing that you have an affinity for, but maybe the thing that seems like the biggest risk. So the first thing that's coming up is this week, this Thursday. There is a current crisis of housing in Portland. If you read the newspaper, you know about it. Because there, or if you try to find an apartment, you know about it. Because there is not, there is not affordable housing in Portland, and there's less and less affordable housing in Portland. And so there's an emergency meeting on Portland's housing crisis <coughs> that. Um, others in the community have organized, and so we are inviting you, Al and I will be there, we are inviting you to, to come to that meeting, and then our work together as a community will be letter writing. And we'll find out at that meeting um, who exactly we should be writing letters to and what exactly we should be articulating to them. And so that is going to be an activity that we do following that meeting, which was will not be a let's all get together in one place and write letters, but we'll connect via email um, to share what we've written and to encourage each other in our letter writing. So there is a sign up in the back for each of these activities, and I would encourage you to sign up for this or one of these next three things that I'm going to tell you about. Yes. It is actually Thursday, April 14th at 6, yes. Um, then, next Sunday, April 17th, from 3 to 5, you are invited to come to a storytelling and listening circle to tell a story about yourself and to have other people listen to your story. And there will be some, um, a prompt given to you beforehand so that you can think about what kind of story you'd like to share. Um, and this is a story of vulnerability. It's a risky thing, right? To, to share something deep about yourself with other people. So you're invited to come 
next Sunday, if that seems like a risk to you. And then Thursday, April 28th, talking with God and others, learning to pray out loud. Now, I know all of you are really comfortable with that, right? Those of you who are retired pastors maybe are comfortable with that. <laughs> but for many people, it's not really a comfortable thing to articulate your words in prayer when other people are listening to them. So that feels like a risk. So if that feels like a risk for you and it feels like the edge you should be leaning into, you're invited to come next Thursday, well not next Thursday, Thursday, April 28th. And then the last one is something that we have been inviting people to for the past few weeks, um, which is the Exploring Racism Workshop, which um, is a place of vulnerability for all of us and is a risk and it's an important conversation that we as a community are engaging in and we'll, there will be other communities coming to engage in that with us. But racism is something that is inherent in our society. And it's something that those of us who have white skin sometimes take for granted, that it is inherent in our society. So it's something that we want to um, put on the table and to confront and is a growing edge and will continue to be a growing edge for us um, always. So you're invited to come um, and be a part of that workshop. It's a big commitment, it's all day long, and it's a growing edge for each of you. So um, there's, no, there's none of you that's like, oh yeah, that would be so easy. You can do that one. Um, but that's not what these are about. You did receive another challenge recently um, in the form of an egg, right? That's something that you're doing on your own, and um, you're, we're going to have some reporting back about that, but this is just a reminder. You have something you should be working on. So that is one challenge that you're taking a risk with, but the, these challenges that we're presenting today are ones that you're doing in a community. You're not figuring it out on your own. You are doing it with the support of one another. And so it's not, even at the prayer, praying out loud, it, this is not about like, oh, look, she's so good at that. I wish I could be as good as she is. But we're not, this is not a competition, right? This is a community, and we're all growing and learning. So there's a few things for you to think about and work on. Usually we give you, try to give you one challenge for, um, for a week, but you have like 10 right now. So, don't forget, and sign up in the back. God is not your security blanket that keeps you safe under your covers, in your room, hiding and believing that if you just do nothing, it will be okay. God is the midwife who says, you can do hard things. Just breathe. Just push. It's supposed to hurt a little bit. This is life. And you can take risks. You can change the world. And you have a people who is there cheering for you, and that is your church. That is Hope Gates. So breathe and push and go out just to wade in the water. Not just to stand at the edge, but to actually wade in the water and know that even though God is going to trouble the water, it's a good thing. 
another song. That song, Wade in the Water, is an African-American spiritual that people have sung for generations. Uh, just a reminder that whenever we wade into the water, God is there with us, troubling the waters and wading right with us. This is a brand new song that Mark Miller has recently written. Come out, come out of your comfortable spaces. Come meet Jesus in the difficult spaces. We're going to learn this song, and then we're going to take a risk and swoosh them together. See how it goes. So Sarah and I will sing this a couple times and just listen, and then we invite you to join in and sing with us. Come out, come out of your comfortable spaces. Come meet Jesus in the difficult places. Come out, come out of your comfortable spaces. Come meet Jesus in the difficult places. Think with us. Here we go.